Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. And suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I am Carl Amari, and this is our Halloween show. Happy Halloween. This is Hollywood 360 and the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including movie reviews, celebrity interviews, classic radio shows, trivia contests, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. You won't want to miss it. But first... National movie critic Sarah Adamson is here to review two films that recently released, The Martian and Big Stone Gap. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Excellent. Let's talk about The Martian. It's going to be four years for another mission to reach me. And I'm in a hat designed to last 31 days. So i got to make water and grow food on a planet where nothing grows. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, none of this matters anyway. What's this film all about? Rated PG-13, it's science fiction by 20th Century Fox. Matt Damon stars as the astronaut. Mark Watney, who is presumed dead mm-hmm. after a fierce storm yep. and left behind by his crew while he's on Mars. Yeah, he does make contact with... Uh, NASA. Yes, he does. And he's like, hello, <laughs> I'm alive yes, and I, I have am. no food or water. Exactly. And they can't get another uh, ship there for four years. Oh, it's it's crazy. Right. Yes. And he has, well, he has a good attitude about it, doesn't he? I mean, somebody else would be in a fetal position curled up, you know, and be like, I'm going to die. But right. he has a family back home. And he's not willing to do that. No, he draws on his ingenuity, wit and spirit to survive. And he's millions of miles away, but he does have some help from NASA. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, it, it, it's just great to watch him problem solve. You, right. You start rooting for him the minute he steps on. Right. You know, well, like, he has that big smile and he's like, you know, not really that. I mean, it's it's incredible. And it he, is. he figures out how to grow plants and create water. Yes. On Mars. He does. Um, yeah. So, all right. Another clip from The Martian. NASA rejected the mission. So if we do this? We're talking mutiny. If anything goes wrong, we die. Do you realize how crazy this is? We have no other option. What did you think of the film? I'm way in. Four stars out of four. Carl, I just love this time of year. Let the award season begin. Yeah. Matt Damon is mesmerizing in this role. Yeah, he's always a great actor. I mean, he really is. Yeah, Jessica Chastain is in this. Kristen Wiig, who is... Probably my favorite. I, I'm all around. I think Kristen Wiig is my favorite actress comedian. Oh, I love her too. Yeah. And what about Michael Pena, our yeah. Chicago? Oh, oh yeah, he's terrific God. too in this as well. Jeff yeah. Daniels, Donald Glover. I mean, this is great. I mean, huge cast, big big film. Yeah. Everybody wants to see this movie. And the director, Ridley Scott. Yeah, Ridley Scott. Oh my goodness. Right. So uh, four big stars. Oh yeah, it's for smart, the Martian. Slick. Funny. It's funny, too. Yeah, so check that out at theaters near you. All right, let's talk now about 
Big Stone Gap. I was born and raised in Big Stone Gap. Born and beautiful. I don't know why you honking the horn. I'm standing out here black as night. I know you can see me. Before I knew it, it was 1978 and I turned 40. I was the old maid. At this point, you just got to take whatever you can get. What's this film all about? It's rated PG-13. It's a comedy romance by Picture House Films. You know, Big Stone Gap is the name of a small town in the Appalachian Mountains of Virginia. Right, and this is set in like what? This is set in a a little bit of a period piece, right? 70s? 1978, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the film's writer and director, Adriana Trigiani, she wrote the book that the film's based on. Okay. So she, and she grew up there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a quirky about- little town, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes. Ashley Judd, she turns 40 and she's not married. Uh oh, right. big right. problem. In that small town, it is. Yeah. She's the pharmacist. She still delivers right. the prescriptions. And all of a sudden, <laughs> like she's like a pariah because yes, she's not married. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and- it's like. She doesn't care though. No, she's, like, she's fine, fine with it. Fine. Yeah, she's fine. She directs with it. the annual outdoor play. Right. But her life's turned upside down when she finds out this deep dark family secret. Oh yeah, deep dark mm-hmm. secret. And Patrick Wilson, he's terrific in oh, this. He is. Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. She is just awesome in this film. And so she plays funny. this. She's got this giant afro and she, <laughs> she plays this really funny oh, character. Yeah. She like tells it like it is to she everybody. Does. She has no filter no, in does. this film at all. All right, another Pretty clip funny. from Big Stone Gap. I saw my father in a dream and I have to go find him. I'm leaving. I'm going to Italy. I got a good job. Got some money saved. I think we should get married. I don't want to just get married. What did you think of the film? Oh, I'm way in. Three and a half stars. You know, this is a thoroughly delightful film that gives us a portrait of what small town life is really about. You know, films like this, this is why you need films like this, because you've got all these big dramas and, you know, you have the Batmans and the Martian and all these. And then every once in a while you get this little, you know, polished gem of a film where you just go and you sit back and you just let an hour and a half go by and you're just swept up in it and it's funny and it's not all this action and craziness and shaky cam and it's just a fun film yeah it's real life it's, yeah it's, and some of it you almost feel like wow that could be a norman rockwell painting. right it's sort of i mean the apple feels butter, like you that can almost smell the apple butter right. and it takes you back i mean so, it's 1978 in a little yeah. small town and the costumes are spot on yes and, they you know, are and it's, I was it's gonna funny talk about non-stop the it's just funny throughout Ashley Judd's great in it. Everybody's great in it. And I love the surprise ending. Yeah. So how many stars? Oh, three and a half. Three and a half stars for Big Stone Gap. Check it out and definitely see The Martian on a big screen. Four stars. You heard it here on Hollywood 360. But check out all of Sarah Adamson's reviews, not just the ones she does on our radio show here, at her website, which is sarahsbackstagepass.com. Sarah, great having you on the show. Thank you, Carl. It's always my pleasure. I want to remind our listeners that we have a uh, drawing, right? Yeah. And I'm not talking about the kind where you use chalk or pencil or marker. No, this is at the end of every single month. Tell right? us about it, okay. pray tell. Tell for, us, pray tell. It's, it's for Cat's Pride, who makes the best kitty litter around. Right. And if you would like a year's supply of the best kitty litter around made by Cat's Pride, send a picture of you and your cat uh, to Cat's Pride Photo. There we go. Cat's, oh, my. Oh, it's a lot of them there. Wow. That's a cat's Take bite. it easy. Lisa, 
Wow. Did you have to bring so many cats into the studio there? Sorry. It was like National Cat Day this week. Uh, Cats Pride Photo at gmail.com. Send a picture of you and your cat with you, your name. Your cat's name. Right, so what do I do? Oh, you're confusing. You're I not take listening. a cat, take my a cat. Find any cat, and I, I like do care. a selfie with a cat, or what? Sure, do I, I do have my a cat, selfie. and I do a selfie, me and my cat. Or you can have a friend take it for you. Okay, well, I don't have any friends. So I know. To take do it, it myself. yourself. Right. I take that picture. All right. Cat. So once I have that picture, you're confusing. Then I email it somewhere. Cats pride photo at gmail.com. All right, because you're talking awfully fast. Really? Very fast. You're you ha- slow are you, today. Did you have a lot of coffee or caffeine? I don't drink coffee, you but you know what? You are talking so fast. I think you're a little slow I'm today. I'm not processing. You're slow. All right, so I have the picture. Are I email it in. Me? Are you kidding and then me? I then I send my name and my cat's name and my city and state, right? Cats I picked up on that. Pride photo at gmail.com. All right, I send that in. And then what happens? I get and automatically end, entered you're into automatically a drawing. Entered in, it's like magic. Mike Asalo will post your picture on our Facebook page. Right. And, um, and then at the what? end of the month, uh, we'll get a winner, a right. magic winner. Dan Jaffe, the CEO of Cats Pride, will choose by randomly choosing by random out, of selection. A, out of a hat. And, uh, uh, right. A black hat. And, and he picks out a name, and then that person wins an entire year's supply. Of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter, but here's the best part. It happens every month. You talk too fast. Yeah. Happens every month. So if you don't win at the end of November, you, keep trying. you can uh, win. Uh, we're doing it for a year. So make sure you do that right away. Get your entry in, right? Yeah, you have to talk slower, though. All right. Okay. When we uh, come back from the break, we're going to play the scariest suspense episode ever broadcast, in my opinion, coming your way after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Suspense was conceived as a potential radio vehicle for Alfred Hitchcock to direct. Suspense was a radio series of epic proportions, Lisa. It aired on CBS from 1942 to 1962 and is considered by many to be the best mystery drama series of the golden age of radio. Billed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, it focused on suspenseful thrillers using the best names in Hollywood. Scripts were by John Dixon Carr, Lucille Fletcher, James Poe, Ray Bradbury, many others. Running more than 20 years, Suspense aired nearly 1,000 radio broadcasts, and it made the transition to television in 1949. But it was on radio that Suspense enjoyed its glory days. You know, like uh, the Bruce uh, Springsteen song? Glory days. Glory days. Let me hear you sing a bar of that. Uh, glory days. Yes, indeed. Glory days. Oh, that's... Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm, quite one. the vocal tone I have there, huh? Yeah, quite dulcet, the... Dulcet, I wonder, as you maybe say. I'll get signed to a uh, singing uh, contract, a record label. Yeah. I'm, a, over I'm available. And see Listen, how I out. can be bought. I you can be bought. Both. I like the green things with the, with the numbers on them. Is that right? Yeah. They're about uh, five by three. You know those things? Five by three? Yeah, five, six inches um, by three. Something like that. Yeah, yeah I like those. That. I like those things with the dollar signs on them. All right, uh, suspense. Here we go. Okay. December 5th, 1946, The House in Cypress Canyon. Stars Robert Taylor. Also in the cast, Howard Duff, Wally Mayer, Kathy Lewis, Hans Conrad, Paul Fries, and Jim Backus. You know that name, Jim Backus? 
Thurston Howell the oh, third right, sure. on Gilligan's Island. I sure do. Joseph Kearns and Ken Niles doing the announcing, sponsored by Roma Wines. Let's tune this in. You're going to love it. It's scary. Here is the first portion of Suspense. And now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Robert Taylor in the house in Cypress Canyon, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense. Radio's outstanding theater of thrills is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those better-tasting California wines enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. For friendly entertaining, for delightful dining. Yes, right now, a glassful would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you Robert Taylor, star of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Undercurrent, in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! Merry Christmas, Jerry. How's the real estate business? Oh, kind of early with your greeting, aren't you, Sam? Well, I got to get them in sometime. I may not see you again until next Christmas. If this real estate racket gets any crazy, I'll be dead by next Christmas. <laughs> I'm glad you could get up here, though, Sam. What's on your mind, Jerry? Uh, you, you'll probably shoot me when you hear it, Sam, because I'm probably nuts. But, but doggone it, you're a detective and you're my pal, and I just had to tell somebody. Well, you sound like it's serious. That's just it. I, I don't know what it is, Sam, but... Now, listen, you you know we're agents for a group of houses up in Cypress Canyon. Mm-hmm. Those places that were started before the war never got finished. Oh, yeah. All they got in were the foundations, just mm-hmm. concrete and a couple of beams. Well, they've been finished now. In fact, I'm putting up the for rent on the last of them today. What do you want? Police protection from the mob? <laughs> listen, Sam, this house that I'm talking about, it's got a number now, uh, 2256. But before, when the men went back to work on it about three months ago... Well, they just started when the foreman on the job brought me a shoebox that he'd found up on a beam. And this box had a, a what do you call it, a, a manuscript in it, a story kind of, all written out. Yeah. Well, he gave me the thing. I read it. I didn't think much about it. I put it in my desk. But the other day, and I happened to drive by there, I saw the number on the house and what the house looked like. I thought of this manuscript. And, well, I don't like it, that's all. There's something funny about it. What's funny about it? Well, he... Mind you, this thing was found in an unfinished house in Cypress Canyon. House was only just started building. All right. uh, Well, listen, Sam, I want to read it to you if you've got the time. And you'll see what I mean. All right, shoot. Well, here's how it begins. Uh, To whom it may concern, my reasons for setting down on paper what follows here will be abundantly clear. Will be abundantly clear to anyone into whose possession it may fall. First, let me say that I'm a very ordinary person. My name is James A. Woods. I'm 35 years old. By profession, a chemical engineer. My wife, Ellen, was a schoolteacher when I met and married her in Indiana seven years ago. There's nothing in the past life of either one of us to suggest remotely any cause or reason for the dreadful thing that has invaded our lives. Our married life has been in no way different from that of millions of other average, reasonably happy, and congenial families. Three months ago... I was ordered by my firm to take charge of a rather minor project in Los Angeles, uh, Hollywood to be exact. The order was a sudden one. There'd been no time to secure accommodations, and conditions being what they are, the inevitable result was that until day before yesterday, 
We'd been living in the cramped quarters of one of those characteristic California motels. Needless to say, most of our spare time had been devoted to a search for something more permanent and comfortable, but the fruits of these efforts had been financially and in every other way a geometrical progression of discouragement. Until last Saturday afternoon, only four days before Christmas, we were driving into town on our way to a movie when Ellen saw it. Jim, look! What? That sign in front of that real estate office. Oh, yeah. But yeah. don't you see what it says? For rent, furnished, two-bedroom house, close-in, immediate occupancy. Yeah, uh-huh. Aren't you going to stop? Oh, Ellen, you know a sign like that. It mean right out in plain sight in front of a real estate office. Oh, yeah, but Jim... Either they want $600 a month... We'll or... never know until we ask. Well, if it's any good at all, there are probably 50 people fighting for it right back there now. Well, honey, there's no harm in trying now, is there? You really want to go back? Oh, it's probably foolish, but what can we lose? Okay. Oh, darling, come on, cheer up. How do you know? Maybe our luck's changed. Maybe fate's going to give us a nice new house for a Christmas present. Come in. Oh, uh... We're sorry to bother you, but we just happened to see that for rent sign outside. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I hung it outside just this minute. Is... is the house available? Why, sure, sure it is. Uh, let me introduce myself. My name is James A. Woods, and this is my wife, Ellen. How to do? Wow. Looks like it's fixing to rain. Yes, so it does, doesn't it? It was one of those things. The real estate agent had just been authorized to rent the place by mail that morning, and he'd hardly had time to look at it himself and put up his sign when we drove up. It was just an ordinary little California house about halfway up Cypress Canyon, number 2256. Just an ordinary, undistinguished little house. The agent didn't know much about it. Construction on it had been stopped by the war, and it had just been completed and furnished lately. Been vacant while somebody's estate was being settled, and... Now it was owned by a bank in Sacramento. Of course, we didn't... We didn't Got care this about key in the mail along with the authorization to rent. Only one there is. Of course, you can have duplicates made. Yeah, seems to stick a little. Oh, no, there it is. It doesn't sound as though that door had ever been opened. Well, a little oil on the hinges will fix that all right. Oh, sure. Now, now here's your living room. Furniture's a little dusty, of course. You've got to expect that. It's good furniture, though, you see? Benson Brothers. Yes, uh-huh. Now, over here's a little den. Panel, you see? Radio, fireplace. Really a very attractive little room, particularly for a man. Uh-huh, yep. Now, the, the bedroom's off the living room here. Everything's all on one floor, you understand? Uh-huh. It's uh, quite nice, I think. Yes, uh-huh. You can see you get the morning sun here. There's a view of the canyon through these front windows. we got cross ventilation. All right, let's take a break from the first portion of uh, Suspense, The House in Cypress Canyon, starring Robert Taylor and uh, Howard Duff. Howard Duff on radio played Sam Spade, license number 137596. Did you know that, Lisa? I did not know his license number. You didn't know his license number? But I know it's 137956. No, 137596. Really good. You got it. You got it. This uh, this suspense episode sponsored by Roma Wines. Roma was uh, one of the sponsors for, uh, and then Auto Light was another one of its sponsors. Suspense was on the air a long time. 
and uh, really brought uh, to our listeners, uh, to the listeners of the Golden Age of Radio, and now when we play them, the best of the best. They had the best stories, the best writing, the best talent, the best uh, sound effects people, best music. You know, you had the full orchestra. Yeah. Bernard Herman did the music for this. I mean, Bernard Herman, he was one of the best. So that's what you get. When you put all the best together, yeah. you get the best radio show. Like, you know. Like, you hello. know, here we are. Hello. I know. I got you. Know, we work real hard on this show. Yeah, Lisa. You tell me about it. I mean, she doesn't cook for her kids the whole week. She's just so busy. Her kids are like, Mom, we haven't eaten in a couple of days. I get a slave driver of a boss here. Yeah, her so, kids are like, you know, Mom, look at how look at how skinny I'm getting. Like, and that's okay, honey. I'm working on Hollywood yeah. 360. And, um, you know, there's no food in the house. Well, that's Dan, true. Dan, her husband, opens up the cupboard. And there's nothing in there. The cupboard is bare. Honestly. Old Mother Lisa. In, in all honesty, I went to Costco today and spent $428. Wow. What did you buy me? Not, I, I didn't even buy anything fun. The, nothing over $40. Zilch. Well, you know, the great thing about Costco is uh, you get a big, huge, huge, gigantic things of whatever I don't know, it is. nothing lasts that long. Right, I don't well, know. We, uh, we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> okay. But right now I have to play another movie clip. All Matthew right. McConaughey going back to 2011. This is a crime drama thriller. The conversation is finished. This is... What do you think this was, huh? Let's make a deal? Yeah, what do you think it was, Lisa? Let's make a deal? What do you think that was? Bob Barker there? Ah, uh, this it is good It wasn't. Stuff. All right, if you know what movie this is, Matthew McConaughey... The conversation is finished. This is... What do you think this was, huh? Let's make a deal. Yes, indeed. Give us a call. Toll free. 855-360-H. 360. The H is a four. You'll win some prizes. Tell us what Matthew McConaughey crime drama thriller that is. We'll be right back. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Thank you, the great Adam West. That is Adam West. Uh, famous Adam West from... The 1960s series Batman, of course, and also he is on pretty t- television pretty much every single day as Mayor West on Family, Family Guy, Guy, which yep. is one of my favorite shows. It's a good show. He is terrific as Mayor West. And uh, Lisa, this is the Hollywood 360 Radio Network. You and I are here doing the show. We're on a hundred radio stations across the country, and I want to thank all of our program directors and all of our uh, radio station managers and all of our listeners across the country. For tuning in our our show, this is our Halloween program. Having a good time, and you look great. You're uh, wearing us. Uh, she's got like this sweater on that has skeletons all yeah, over it. It's just a sweatshirt. And as I said earlier, I dress. Well, I sort of you look dress- like a skunk, right? Because I'm wearing like yeah, that's your favorite jacket. This is a jacket that it looks. It's black and white. It looks like kind of like a skunk. Mm-hmm. It's um, stinky. It is kind of. <laughs> A little bit stinky. I just washed it. It's not stinky. I don't stink. Yeah, skunk stinky, I meant. Yeah. It's stinky like a skunk. Now, listen, I take a bath once a week whether, whether I, I need, need it or, or not. not. I know. You know? So, all right. So here's the movie clip. Uh, she's got to ruin my jokes. She's She can't just give me a little a little pleasure, the small little pleasure in life of telling I, a joke. I can't I mean, I, ha- you know, you I work really hard ones, and I, I just little pleasures in life. Come are up with all... some new ones and then I won't know the punchline. No, line. I have like two or three and jokes and I tell rotating. them over and over and <laughs> she <rotate>. constantly <laughs> has to ruin my joke. All three of them. Okay. Okay. 2011 uh, crime drama thriller. Conversation is finished. This is what you think this was, huh? Let's make a deal. Well, Lisa. Do 
door number four. Or there was three no, doors, I think. Like There's three only three doors. doors. I'll take door number three. Right, three is my lucky say, number. Are you sure? Do you want to switch to door no, number two? three is my lucky number. I want door number three. And that door number three is Tom from Waukegan. Tom, we just chose your door. You're you're uh, you're the winner. All right. Sound good? Carl? Hey, what's up? How are you, Tom? Uh, I'm doing good. All right. What's the name of this movie? This is uh, Killer Joe. Killer Joe. Absolutely. Did you see this movie? Uh, it's another uh, William Friedkin classic. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I did not see this movie, Lisa. Lisa loves this movie, I love loves this the play. Movie. I love the She's play. She's all about this movie. I should see it, I guess. But uh, It's a killer of a movie, Yeah, Carl. Tom, you're a winner, my friend. You're going to get some fun prizes, okay? All right. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you calling in and listening to the show. Tom knew it. Here's a little trivia. According to Matthew McConaughey, director William Friedkin rarely exceeded three takes per scene when filming which is what Clint Eastwood does a lot. You know, um, I have the great pleasure of working with him on some projects, and he does not ever shoot more than a couple of takes. He just lets his actors do his thing, they do their thing. That's why they love working for Clint Eastwood. When you hire the best, you know, yeah. somehow just a matter of them gelling together, too. It yeah, depends. he lets them just kind of do their thing. He shoots yeah. the scene and moves right on. I mean, yeah. and you know what? Look it at, seems look to at how work. It's working. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get back now to Suspense. That's about all there was to it. It wasn't the best place in the world. It was small and badly built, but what would you have done? We took it with as little inspection as that. It was the Saturday before Christmas. And the very same evening, we were struggling up the steps from the road with suitcases and boxes and armloads of clothes and all the endless bric-a-brac that people collect and never know they have until they move. Ellen began unpacking, and I began moving things around and taking the worst of the pictures off the wall, doing... All the little things that everybody does when they move into a new place and try to give it something of their own. Don't be such a sour puss. You know, it's a roof over our heads for Christmas. That's more than we ever thought we'd get, isn't it? Now, what in the world are we going to do with those two pictures? Why don't we just leave them where they are? Jim, we can't. They're too awful. Well, all right. Put them in the closet, then. I can't. Both the closets are jammed full. No, I mean the other one in the little alcove off the den. At least there's a door there. I suppose it's a closet. Yeah. I don't know. That isn't a commentary on the housing problem, huh? A woman moving into a house without even knowing where all the closets are. Take the pictures down, will you, honey? Bring them in here. Okay, okay. Oh, I guess you'll have to help me with this door. I can't get it open. Let me see it. Well, of course you can, silly. It's locked. Where are those keys we found in the desk? Mm. Here they are. Mm. No, not this one. Sure, this one won't work. No, feels like an awful solid door for a closet. Oh, and that's one solid door in the house. No, this one won't do it either. Well, we'll just have to get a locksmith up here on Monday. I'll put the pictures behind the desk, okay? Yeah, yeah, all right. Jim, if you could just help me move this armchair, huh? Oh, Ellen, will you let it go until tomorrow? You know what time it is. Oh, but honey, I'd like to get the place looking just a yeah, little bit. Yeah, but it's bit... almost midnight. In fact, it's it's exactly... What was that? <laughs> Tomcat, I guess, out in the brush somewhere. Sounded near. <laughs> oh, hope that doesn't go on all night. Well, there's much we can do about it. Come on, Ellen, I'm dead tired. All right, Jim, all right. Where'd you put the toothpaste, honey? It's right in the medicine cabinet. Oh, yeah. Jim, we ought to get some firewood tomorrow. You know, a fire in that living room would make all the difference Next in the world. Cab, Sunday. Well, Monday, then. Jim, I think red curtains are what we need, don't you? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, just at least for the living room. 
Anyway, the ones in there now have just got to come down. Yeah, I suppose they do. What do you think of Red? Well, I guess it's all... Jim. It's some tomcat. Jim, it it sounded in the house. How could it be in the house, Ellen? We've been over every inch of the house. Except the closet. How could a cat or anything else be in the closet that's been locked up for over a year? I don't know. It's... it's probably under the house. A wildcat or mountain lion or something. I hear they have them in California. Jim, I don't like well, it. Well, neither do I like it, but there's nothing we can do about it tonight. Well, maybe we ought to call somebody, the police or oh, some neighbor. Oh, don't neighbors. be silly, Ellen. You act like a kid. Come on, let's go to bed, huh? Well, all right. I suppose it is silly. Jimmy, did you lock the door? Yeah, yeah. Can I turn out the lights now? Yeah. All right. Good night, Ellen. Sleep tight. Good night, Jim. I don't know what time it was, perhaps an hour, perhaps only a half hour later. My mind was in that hazy borderland between sleep and a dream that's still part of consciousness. (coughs) Then I was awake. (coughs) Helen, are you all right? Yes. Did you have a nightmare or something? No. I heard it too. Well, that didn't sound like any cat. Put on the light. Yeah. It seemed to be out there, Jim, in the house somewhere. I'm going to look into this. Jim, you be careful. Come on. Where's, where's my shotgun? In the den, I think. Jim. What? There. There's something wet. What? Wet? Running from under the closet door. Sticky. Hey, Ellen, don't. Don't touch it. I had to. Jim. It's blood. It cannot be too difficult to understand from the foregoing why I've taken the pains to set down in writing the events related here. To find in one's newly rented house a closet which cannot be opened is in itself certainly no great cause for alarm. But to be awakened in the stillness of the night by unearthly cries within that house... To find oozing from under that closet door something that is unquestionably blood. That's another matter. Perhaps others might have been braver than we. Suffice it only to say that we got out of the house in something very close to a panic. And only returned when we had the moral support of two stalwart Los Angeles policemen. You uh, just moved in here, you say? That's right, officer. You You can see we're still unpacking. And the place has been empty right along before that? Yeah, I don't know much about that part of it. You could check all that with a real estate agent, though. Well, uh, <clears throat> where is this closet? Oh, it's it's right in here, officer. And and the blood, the blood is... Where? Where's the blood? Jim? Officer, I, I swear to you, there was blood on the floor less than an hour ago. I, I saw it. Uh-huh. It, it was running out from under that door. We heard that noise and we got up and then we saw it. The, the door was locked. Locked, huh? Well, it seems to be all right now. Hey, uh, you folks aren't trying to be funny, are you? Is, isn't there anything in it? No, ma'am, there is not. Look, officer, we're reputable people. You can call my firm. They'll tell you all about me. There's nothing wrong with this closet. Walls are solid. No trap doors. If you think I'm lying... You... I didn't say that, mister. Oh, you probably did hear some sort of a noise, and you got a little panicky, and... What, uh... what about the blood? got on my hand. It isn't there now, is it? Yes. Where? I, I feel it. 
Now, you folks just take it easy. You know, you're liable to hear all kinds of noises up in these canyons at night. You're uh, from the east, you say? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, officer. Ah, that's all right. That's all right. If you have any real trouble, call on us any time. All right. Well, good night. Good night. Good night. Hey. <laughs> you ought to have this door fixed. That's enough to scare you. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to have it fixed. We didn't say much about it after that. There wasn't much that could be said. The next day, I went down to a lot and bought a little Christmas tree and some trimmings, and we tried to pretend we were cheerful, but there was an uneasiness between us that had never been there before. Ellen seemed tired and listless. Several times during the day, I noticed her washing her hands with a, with a brush, scrubbing the one that had touched the blood. That night, we each took a sleeping pill and went to bed. It was sometime after midnight when I was suddenly wide awake and staring into the darkness. In some way, I, I knew at once and instinctively what had awakened me. Ellen was not in her bed nor in the room. The nameless thing I feared gripped at my heart until I could scarcely breathe. I opened the bedroom door and started through the house, putting on every light that I could find. There was not much to search, but I searched thoroughly. The, the living room, the kitchen, bathroom, day, and even the garage. And all the time, the dread of looking where I knew at last I must look. For I think I knew from the very first time where I'd find her. It must have been a full minute that I stood before that closet door. Then, I opened it. She stood there rigid, her arms at her sides, the fingers extended like claws. Her hair was over her face, her eyes stared out of it. Her lips were drawn back in a grin like an animal at bay. For a moment, I was frozen with the horror of it. I stretched out my hand. Very deliberately, she turned her head and sunk her teeth until they met into the flesh of my forearm. I'd raised my hand to strike at her, but... Already she'd relaxed her hold and gone utterly limp. She would have fallen unless I'd caught her. I carried her into the bedroom and laid her on the bed. Strangely, at that moment, my only thought was how I might revive her. Until I saw that it was, it was not a faint, but a sleep that she'd fallen into. A sleep as deep and heavy as though she'd been drugged. And so I left her. But for me, that night, there was no sleep. Yes, Ellen? Oh. What are you doing up so early? Oh, I, I got a little restless. I'd make some coffee. Oh. Oh. I had the most wonderful sleep. And I feel so rested. Do you? Mm-hmm. Jim. What? What's the matter with your arm? Oh, I I just heard it. Honey, it's, it's terribly swollen. Let me see it. No, it, it's all right, Ellen. Oh, it isn't all right. You've got to see Dr. Wesley right away. Sure, I, I will. No, I now, will. you promised me, Jim, that you'll go the first thing this morning. How'd it happen? Why, oh, uh, th there was a dog. A dog? Yeah, I, I heard him trying to chew through the screen door. I went out to chase him away, and he bit me. Well, you mean there was all that racket, and I didn't even wake up? Mm -hmm. 
No, Ellen, you, you didn't even wake up. It was clear to me that Ellen knew nothing of what had transpired the night before. I went to my office that morning and made a pretense of going over routine business, if only to restore my mind to some semblance of calm by the sight and sound of common, familiar things. Pain in my arm had become a persistent, dull throbbing. I made a late appointment with Dr. Wesley. He treated my arm with something of an arched eyebrow, and he said, Well, I've never seen anything quite like it before. That is such a rapid onset of infection. It was dark when I left his office. I hadn't realized it was so late. Driving home, my car seemed seemed sluggish until I saw the needle on the dashboard and realized that I was pushing it to the utmost of its speed. And I was racing home to prevent prevent something before it was too late, before the darkness had conspired against me. Somehow I already knew with certainty that it was the darkness and the night that I had to fear. The curves of the canyon seemed endless. And then the cold fear leaped up inside me. My house, too, was dark. I went slowly up the stone steps from the road, looking, praying for some sign of light or light. There was none. The house was empty. Ellen was gone. I I looked with the same self-torturing thoroughness. And in that closet, first of all, knowing as I did so that it was hopeless. And so, alone in that empty house, I waited, powerless and helpless now, deadened in thought and will, empty as the house itself, save only for the overwhelming sense of a terrible foreboding. For some time in the early hours of the morning, I snapped on the radio, shortwave. Why? Surely a minor question now. I only know that I did. And then I heard it. Car 58, car 58, go to Laurel Canyon, the 4,000 block. A report that a man has been injured or attacked. Condition thought to be critical. Ambulance will follow. That is all. I was there almost before the police, edging my way through the little crowd, staring down at the man lying there in his white uniform under the street light. Yeah, the milkman, poor guy. I heard him scream, but when I got here, just like this, there's all nothing right, on it. Stand back, stand back. Please, please stand back. Well, you again. I, I heard it on the radio. I, I live just down the road. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, what happened? Well, take a look. Maybe you can tell us. He was dead. And he was lying on his back. And his throat had been torn out as though by the fangs of some wild animal. It is now Christmas Eve, or rather Christmas morning, for it's a little after midnight. I've been waiting here, here in the stillness of this empty house for nearly 24 hours, waiting for the end. Already once tonight I've heard that dreadful wailing cry somewhere in the hills. I've nailed up the closet door, but that I I know is childish and useless. My arm is... Horribly swollen and turning black, but that's nothing. It's another end that I foresee, as, as surely as other men foresee the rising of the sun. I hear the cry again. It's nearer now. I shall leave these notes in a sealed envelope and put it in a shoebox, in the hope that someone will give credence to these dark and terrible events, if 
Indeed, such nameless horrors can never yield to mortal understanding. As for myself, I feel no longer any fear or even sorrow. Only a desire that the end and the thing that I must do may come soon. And it will be soon, I know. Yes. But there is someone at the door. Someone at the door. Huh? What do you make of it, Sam? <laughs> it's quite a yarn. But what of it? That's what I thought. Now, listen, that's not quite all of it. Huh? Clip to it's a newspaper clip. Listen. Hollywood, December the 26th. Police reported what was apparently a case of murder and suicide in Cypress Canyon sometime in the early hours of the morning. The victims were James A. Woods, a chemical engineer, and his wife, Ellen. Preliminary investigation indicates that Mrs. Woods was killed by the blast of a shotgun in the hands of a husband who then turned the weapon upon himself. That she fought desperately for her life, however, was evidenced by the disorder of the room and the severe lacerations inflicted upon her husband about the neck and arms. This is the second tragedy to be reported in Cypress Canyon within 24 hours, the other being the unexplained death of Frank Polanski, a milkman. Well, no such murders or whatever they were ever occurred, if that's what's worrying you. The clipping, well. Have those things printed up, you know. No, no, it's not that, Sam. That story was found in an unfinished house in Cypress Canyon. No number, no nothing, just a framework. Uh-huh. Now that house is finished. When I drove by it today, but that's what stopped me, Sam, because it all fits. Now that it's finished, it is the house in the story, the same construction, the same vines and creepers on the lawn, even the same number. So what, a guy who knows roughly what this house is going to be like writes a yarn and loses it or something? Did he know the place was going to be listed for rental today, the Saturday before Christmas? <laughs> oh, Jerry, coincidence. Two bits you find the guy next door is a ghost story writer or something, and he's been wondering for a year what happened to that thing he wrote. Okay. Okay, coincidence. Well, I, I'm sorry I bothered you, Sam. <laughs> Don't be silly. I liked it. It's a good yarn. Uh, that the uh, forensic sign you were talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put it up outside now. Uh-huh. Well, so long, Jerry, and Merry Christmas again. Yeah, well, thanks, Sam. <laughs> I guess I was kind of silly, all right. Huh? <laughs> Listen, when a guy named uh, whatever it is, Woods, with a wife named Ellen, comes in to rent that place from you, then you can start worrying. <laughs> yeah. Well, so long, Sam. So long, Jerry. Come in. Oh, we're sorry to bother you, but we just happened to see that for rent sign outside. Well, yeah, I hung it out just this minute. Is... is the house available? Oh, sure, sure it is. Let me introduce myself. My name is James A. Woods, and this is my wife, Ellen. How do Wow. Looks like it's fixing to... Yes, it does, doesn't it? Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Selected for your pleasure from the world's greatest reserves of fine wines. Tonight's original suspense play was written by Robert L. Richards. Next Thursday, same time, 
you will hear Miss Susan Peters as star of Suspense. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, there you have it. That is The House in Cypress Canyon on Suspense, December 5th, 1946, with a terrific cast, Robert Taylor and Howard Duff and Kathy Lewis. I hope you enjoyed that, sponsored by Roma Wines, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website. It is called Hollywood360radio.com, so just log on, www.hollywood360radio.com. That's our official website, and at that website is a podcast of our show. So at the uh, end of the week, we uh, we change it out. Well, actually, on Mondays, we switch it out, and you get the whole four-hour program along with an additional hour of classic radio on our podcast right on the homepage. It's Hollywood360radio.com. Make sure you check that out. We also have a Facebook page. I have never in my life, not even once, not even one time ever been on Facebook I refuse to go on Facebook. I just have some kind of, I don't know what it is. I've never been on Twitter either. I think it's just a fear of technology. But we have a Facebook page. It's Hollywood Hollywood 360. All right. Next is uh, Stump the Host. Call us right now. Toll free 855-360-8360. 